Welcome to Engage Boise. We hope that you enjoy this live recording of our Sunday service. Special day at our church. We are celebrating this morning new life. If you've been around, you have you might know we've got to celebrate a lot of new life. Lots of people having babies, people rededicating their lives, coming to know the Lord. It's been awesome. Uh, it's such an honor. We get to baptize a child in water today. It was going to be a teenager, a little switch because the teenager's mom can't be here, but we are baptizing this wonderful little girl, Izzy, at the end of church. Most of her family has been baptized, and uh, we're going to baptize her today. Uh, it's awesome because the Bible says to train a child up in the way they should go, and we are literally obeying, putting feet to the Word of God this morning. So thanks for being a part of it. Uh, we do have a teenager that wants to be baptized. We're going to wait till his parents can be here because we want to honor that, honor them. And there's nothing like seeing a child's life or a teenager's life being transformed by Jesus. It's a strange thing to happen because all of a sudden the kids start acting better and the teenagers start acting better and the parents wonder what's going on. It's not their parenting. Maybe it is. The parenting's pretty good. But it's Jesus working in their lives. It's awesome. Um, of course, we're also doing the gender reveal after church, so thanks for coming to be a part of that. Uh, uh, the staff encouraged us to do it right after church. I wanted to try to do it in the evening to not make it a big deal, but uh, they talked me out of that. So it's going to be really fun. Uh, I will just say, man, life comes at you super fast. A month ago, uh, you know, we, if you don't know, if you're new, we have two little boys, 10 and 8. They're here. We have a daughter we adopted who's 27. She lives in Twin Falls. And a month ago, I was planning in the spring. I was uh, gearing up for tax season for my wife. She's a tax accountant, and I was planning these adventures I'd do with the boys uh, while she worked in March and April. And, of course, some of that stuff will happen. She'll still do some work. We'll still do some adventures. But uh, we're going to be having a baby on March 6th, so we're going to adjust to having a baby in the house again. That's the main thing that we're going to be doing. Uh, man, it's been such a privilege to be at this church and watch families celebrate new life with a new baby over and over and over again. Uh, now, Hazel, um, and I'm saying Sarah's little one, is the only girl of the new ones so far. She's going to have to be tough to hold her own with all the boys, right? And I'll say you're going to have to teach her some uh, jujitsu moves or something. I don't know. She is tough, yeah. Uh, if you were here the day that Pastor Chase spoke about their journey to our church and bringing little Samuel into their lives, uh, man, powerful testimony of God's goodness and direction in their lives. And uh, if you, you should ask him about that sometimes. Powerful to hear him talk about it. Of course, one of the things I get to do as a pastor is I get to go see people when they have babies. Chandra and I went to see Olga, and I got to hold little Kai. Is he here today, Olga? First time at church, right? Awesome to have you guys today. We went to see him. I got to hold him, sing him a song, try and calm him down uh, while we were in the apartments. And I always joked with Chandra at Partly joking, mostly serious. I had two skills when we had babies. One of them was eating while holding a child. For some reason, I could do that. The other one was being calm. So I got to practice my being calm over at Olga's house. And, um, at the time, I was thinking about, this wasn't that long ago, but I was thinking about how other people's babies are going to be my only chance to like, keep a kid calm. And uh, little did I know that something else was uh, already happening. I went to this past week to see Ron and Joanna. They haven't been here for a little while because they just had a new one, little new one. Asher's got tons of hair. So beautiful, powerful to sit with them for a few moments while they held and talked about this little boy who they'd been praying, asking God for for 12 years. 12 years. So awesome to see the joy in their face. Today, that's why we're celebrating life. That's why we're reading together. We're talking about one of my favorite chapters in the whole Bible, Psalm 139. So when you pastor a church, you speak on a regular basis, you're bound to speak out of the same passage more than once. 
And this is actually time number three for this one in some way, shape, or form since I started here, uh, you know, two years and change. I did a really short Bible study on it on a Wednesday right when we first started, and then I spoke out of Psalm 139, part of it, the week that Manasseh and Sarah dedicated Hazel. Um, and that's actually one of the wonderful things about the Word of God, right? The Word of God does not change. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But as we grow and we mature and change, and maybe we just age and we get more wise, our understanding deepens or changes. Sometimes a passage or a chapter is just the perfect one for what's happening in your midst, and it makes sense to talk about it, and there's a little bit of that, both of those going on today in the sense that no better chapter to talk about within the context of what's happening at our church. We're celebrating life and water baptism. We celebrated a life, uh, Jack's homegoing, uh, last weekend. And sometimes the, the right chapter is the right chapter, and that's all there is to it. But also, as I read it this week, I saw some new pieces, and the Lord just kind of spoke to me differently about it. There's this famous quote by Socrates, right? Uh, to know thyself is the beginning of wisdom. That's what he said. Uh, if you've been here on Wednesdays when we talked about Proverbs, you know it's actually not true. Proverbs 9.10 tells us the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Try and know yourself all you want, but the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. However, part of living, part of living well is having a good understanding of yourself, who you are, what has God made you to do. And the best way to do that is to know God and allow him to reveal it to you because he knows you better than you know yourself. But there are things that you know about you and you just know them because you're you, right? You know if you're in this place and you're a music person, uh, you know the way a certain song makes you feel. The song comes on and you just, you know how it makes you feel. It's the song, right? And if you try and describe it to someone, like you hear it, like I'm gonna go describe how amazing this song is, how it makes me feel to someone, you explain it to them, and it's like blank look on their face. Because it means something to you. A lot of you have been there. I appreciate the, appreciate the chuckles there. I've been there. You know whether or not you like a certain food, right? It doesn't matter what other people tell you about this food, that it's terrible or whatever. You just know you like it. It doesn't matter what they tell you about their favorite food. If you don't like it, you don't like it. Just, you can't explain it. You just know yourself. A great example for me is uh, ketchup and tomatoes. I love ketchup. Put ketchup on everything. My wife jokes that we and my sons like to use lakes of ketchup, and it, it's somewhat accurate. And I've had many people tell, and I don't like tomatoes. Do not like tomatoes. Love ketchup, don't like tomatoes. And I've had many people tell me, well, you do like tomatoes. Why don't you put tomatoes in your hamburger because you like ketchup? I just don't like them. But they're the same thing, they say. They're the exact same thing. Tomatoes are in ketchup. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I like ketchup, I like, and I don't like tomatoes. Just, it is what it is. You know, all of you know, if you have a spouse, you know the way that your spouse makes you feel and why you love them. You can try and explain it to someone else, and they might kind of get it, but they can't know like you know. Because there's just certain things that only you know because you know yourself. We could go on and on, uh, and what we're talking about today is, as much as I've learned about myself in 44 years on this earth, as much as some of you who have lived uh, twice uh, that long and know about yourself. God knows me. He knows you better than you know yourself. He knows the songs and the food and how you feel about your spouse, and he knows infinitely more than that. And that's what I see in Psalm 139 this morning as we talk about life. The fact that no matter how long we have lived, how long we've served God, how recently we've surrendered our lives, 
The one person who will always know us better than we know ourselves is the one who created us. Psalm 139 really has three parts. We're only going to tackle the first two this morning, uh, verses 1 through 18. And in the first 12 verses of it, we see this beautiful truth, the first one today. God knows what it will take for us to find him. If you have your Bibles, Psalm 139, uh, verses 1 through 12 is our first passage today. It says this. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me, and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. God knows, friends, what it will take for us to find him. The reason God knows what it will take for us to find him is because of what verse 1 says there. It says, God has searched our heart. And within our heart, those things we were talking about a minute ago, within our heart lies everything that makes us us. Within your heart lies everything that makes you you. And when we think of the word search, we think of something like hide and seek, like Someone goes away and you go try and find them. Or maybe you're thinking of hunting for something that is lost. Me and my son Luke, we do a lot of hunting for things that uh, get lost. (laughs) But the Hebrew word that's translated search actually means something closer to dig. Not the kind of dig that's done with like a large uh, pointed shovel. You know, you jump on it with two feet and you try and get as much dirt as you can. Not that kind of dig. But it's the type of dig that's more like what an archaeologist would do. It's slow and steady, with delicate tools. It's painstaking even. That's what it's describing. And God's goal, when God searches our heart, is not to dig the biggest hole possible. God's goal is to uncover everything about us. Slowly, carefully, so it's all intact. Just how he designed it. That's why what we said earlier, that the best way to know ourselves is to know God, is true because as he searches, as God searches, he also reveals the truth about us. And because God, because it's true that God searches and he reveals, verses two through four are also true. He knows when we sit and rise. He discerns our going out. Verse two says that God knows when we sit and when we stand. Even our thoughts And God even knows those thoughts when we are far away. He knows you when you're in this room in church, and he knows you when you're far away. He knows your thoughts. Verse 3 tells us God knows where we go when we come back home, and he even knows everything we do in between. That's the comings and the goings. The NLT actually puts it in a way that makes a lot of sense to me. I think we have it on the screen. NLT, verse 3, New Living Translation says, You see me when I travel, and when I rest at home, you know everything I do. Verse 4 tells us, kind of just going through the process here, tells us that God knows everything that we say. And that actually seems like every, something anyone could do technically, right? You could spend every moment around someone, you could listen to all their words, and you could know everything they say. 
But the second part of the verse tells us the difference. The second part of verse 4, before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. The second part is the important part because God knows what we will say before we even say it. Yeah, you could be around someone as much as you want, record all the words, but God knows before the words come out of your mouth. You see, God not only listens to our speech, but God has searched our hearts painstakingly. I love this thought that verse 5 expresses. That because God knows us so well, he knows what we need is protection. Because God knows you so well, he knows that you need him to be with you to make it through this life. He goes before us. He follows us. We talked about this on Wednesday night with the Israelites, the Red Sea, how the clouds switched from be in front of them to behind them protect, to protect them from the Egyptians. Sometimes God leads us. Sometimes he protects us from behind. He goes before us and follows us. He has hemmed us in, your translation might say, if you've got New King James, ESV, something like that. He has hemmed us in. What all of this says to me, what I love so much about the beginning of this psalm is that God not only knows about you, he knows everything about you and he still cares to keep knowing it. God knows everything about me, John Eugene Heisel III, 44 years old, October 11, 1979, and he still cares to keep knowing it. That's a pretty tall task. Sometimes, you know, the more we find out about something, the less we start to care. It might have seemed amazing and awesome at first, and, but the more you know, the more you're like, ah, it wasn't what I thought at first. <laughs> That's kind of how I would imagine getting to know someone really well, and if someone knew everything about me, I'd be afraid they might be that way. A really good example, I don't know why I keep going back to songs today, sometimes I will like a song, I love the song, I'll come on, I'll like the melody, I'll just like the way it sounds, whatever, and when I find out why it was written or what the people are about, I like the song a lot less. There was this song in the 90s called Nice to Know You, and I, I, I thought it was like this, you know, realizing coming out of a relationship or whatever, you know, poignant and kind of heavy. Turns out it was about the guy, the guy was, fell asleep, his arm fell asleep. And it was tingling, and it woke back up, and he wrote the song about his arm waking back up. Sounds like all poignant, but it's about his arm falling asleep. But God, the creator of the universe, he does not love us any less, even though he knows all the stuff about us. doesn't love us any less, even though he knows us better than we know ourselves. Here's the crazy thing. The more of us that we allow God to search, the more he sanctifies what's in our hearts. The more he lets us know, the more he knows, the more he sanctifies our hearts. God takes and he guides these small everyday actions that those first five verses talked about. God guides those small everyday actions. When we sit, when we lie down, when we rise. And he not only perceives our thoughts, but he purifies them. Not only guides our comings and goings, he prepares the way for us when we are following his will. I believe, too, that God puts up roadblocks when we shouldn't go a certain direction. Not that we don't work hard to get around the roadblocks sometimes, but he still puts them there. God goes before and behind us. He puts his strong hand upon us. That's all over the Bible how God puts his right hand upon us. I love that that word picture, because it's such a clear idea of what a father does for a son or daughter. When we're in a crowd with John and Luke, I think I've showed a picture of this here sometime before uh, with these two guys. If you see a picture of me and them sometimes, a lot of times I will have my hands on one or both of their shoulders. If we're in a crowd of people, a lot of times we'll be standing there and I'll, and I'll have my hand on their chest. 
Sometimes, and the older they get, they don't need it as much, but sometimes my hand is there just so they know I'm there. Yeah, this is a crazy busy place. You know, there's lots of people around. We got to make sure we're careful. You guys are fine, but hey, I'm right here. Sometimes the hand is on their chest to keep them safe. Sometimes it's, boys, we need to stay right here. I will never, ever forget uh, during uh, COVID, the, uh, when it was early ramping up, no one really knew what in the world was going on. Shonda was working. We were almost out of groceries and especially had to be careful we didn't run out of the dreaded toilet paper, right? Just like all of you. So we went to Winco, me and the boys. We braved Winco. And I told them before we went in, I was like, guys, 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 you got to stay real close to me. Just trust me. People are worked up. We don't know what's going on. Everything's fine, but just trust me. You got to stay close. And we got in there, and I tell you what, man, so many worried people. You remember those days. No matter what you believe about it, man, so many worried people. And there was a lot of time when we wanted to get to the spaghetti noodles, but there was 10 other people in front of the spaghetti noodles. And I stood there with my hand on their chest. This is where we need to be in this moment. Oftentimes God does, I believe, the same with us. He keeps his hand on our shoulders so we know he's there. And sometimes he holds us fast because there's danger ahead. Sometimes he clamps his hand on us and he says, you stay right here for the moment. In fact, I'll tell you this, friends, I promise you, because it's in his word, he's got his hand on you today. The thing that we have to understand, friends, is we can react to all of this knowledge that's in these first few verses. We can react to it in one of two ways. One of them is, man, I better live perfect. God knows everything. He knows where I'm going. He knows when I get up and when I lie down. He knows all my thoughts. Man, I better be perfect. He knows it all. Because if I don't, anvil on my head, right? If I have a stray sinful thought, man, I am so in so much trouble. Or I would argue and this is the correct way, and this is the way David saw it, we can live in amazement that the God of the universe cares deeply enough about us to know us that well. And it's true, friends, that God corrects us. That's in the Bible. But because, because God knows us so well, God can correct us gently, knowingly, firmly when he needs to. And that's the way that David chooses to respond here in verse 6. Instead of saying, please don't destroy me, Lord, because you know me so well, he says, thank you that you care about me this deeply. The thing I love about God, friends, uh, God does not use what he knows about us to bring guilt or destruction. But instead, God knows, God uses everything he knows to bring us to salvation in him. In fact, and I just wrote this down last night. I would have put it on the screen, but I wrote it down last night. One of the ways we can differentiate between what the world or the enemy is saying and what God is saying is that the enemy will use what he knows about you to bring guilt and pain and destruction. God will only use what he knows about you to bring life and salvation. Church, if you walk away, uh, well, David has written beautifully here about how deeply God knows us personally. Now he writes about how God sees us throughout the course of our lives, verses seven and eight. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. I was gonna say, if you walk away from here with one thing, remember this, friends, no matter how close you've been to God, how far you've been from God, there's no place we can go that God can't find us. Does not exist. 
There's no qualification. There's no stipulation. There's no expiration date. What David has found and what he's telling us about God is that not only does God know where we are, he will go to all those places and he'll be with us on every kind of day. David first, of course, acknowledges that God is with us on our best days. He's with us on uh, the days when the pieces all seem to be falling into place. He's with you even on a good hair day if you happen to have to worry about having a good hair day. Manasseh has to worry about it, right, Manasseh? Yes. But you know there's actually a really easy way to never have to worry about having a good hair day. Just have no hair. It's really simple, yeah. Wearing a hat would work too. That's what I used to try, Brenda. We need to remember, though, uh, from verse 8, that not only is God with us on our best days, but he also gave our best days to us. Your very best days, the amazing things that happened to you, God gave those to you. Those are a gift to you. But also we need to remember, friends, that when everything is awful, God is with us. What I love about verse 8, and this is something I had never um, written down about this before. I love about verse 8 is that when it speaks of the depths in verse 8, if I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. It's not talking necessarily only about tough circumstances, although, of course, God is with us in tough circumstances. But look at it again. It says there, if I make my bed in the depths. If you've got New King James, ESV, something like that, it says, instead of depths, it says hell or it says sheol. Basically, if I try to go away from you, God, if I'm away from you, sheol means something like the grave. The reason it says if I make my bed in the depths is because it's not a place we find ourselves by accident. What we have to know and what it's saying here is that even when we choose to run from God, even when we make our bed in the depths, God is still there. Because the if I make, that implies an action on my part. Even God, when I willingly make a choice to try to go away from your will for me, God still finds us. Yeah, no matter where we are spiritually, praise God that he does not leave us or forsake us. In fact, we sing this song about it all the time, right? Reckless love, there's no shadow you won't light up. No mountain you won't climb up. In fact, God is there. He's charting a path back to himself for us all the time. If you've run from him, you've found this. If you've run from God and you've turned back to him, you've found that he's charted a path back for you. Because God, he knows what we need to find him. Little Izzy, who we're going to baptize later, man, she, he knew and he knows what she needed to find him. David talks next even about our physical location. Look at verses 9 through 12 once more. Beautiful. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light becomes night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day. For darkness is as light to you. Friends, it's really simple what David's writing down here. It's a big concept, but it's pretty simple. There's not a physical location you can go that God cannot see and that he cannot find. If you get up early, what it's saying, if you get up early when no one's awake, or maybe you stay up late so that everyone else sleeps, either way, it's quiet and you leave on the wings of the dawn. Here's the thing, the Lord created the dawn and he's in the dawn with you. 
Maybe you've been in a place yourself or you have friends or family members who are doing what we like to call in the church. You'll hear this church term called running from God. Not only making a choice spiritually, but physically going to another location, right? Maybe away from maybe their church, those who would speak God's goodness into their lives, maybe to a whole other city or state to try to get away from what God would be speaking. But here's what you need to understand what David is telling us, friends. If we go to the highest point on this earth, Mount Everest, 29,032 feet. You go there, it's somewhere that you can technically visit, but no one's found a way to live at that elevation. If you go there. Or you go to the deepest place in the entire earth, deepest place on earth, the Mariana Trench, 36,201 feet under the ocean. If you somehow could fabricate a vehicle that could keep you there for more than a few moments, which humans have not done up to this point, I think we've visited it momentarily, but the pressure is so great, can't stay long. You go to either one of those places and you find a way to stay there, none of those could keep you from God. Even if you go somewhere, and this would be the Mariana Trench, there's no light that deep, even if we go somewhere that is surrounded by darkness of all kinds, See, sometimes, friends, we do. We try to surround ourselves with darkness so that God cannot find us. I do not know what God is saying, so I'm going to surround. I don't like what God is saying, so I'm going to surround myself with darkness, and hopefully it won't get through. But the power, the grace, the love of God, they're so deep that verse 12 tells us something so powerful. Even the darkest dark is like light to God. And what this really speaks to, I believe, is the fear that this world often brings. And darkness often is associated with fear. You need to know today, friends, that if you are in the grips of terrible darkness that has been brought on by fear, you need to know that God's grace is sufficient to penetrate our fear. Sufficient to penetrate our fear of failure, our fear of everyone else finding out what we're really like, our fear of whether whether we cannot live without a substance or some type of addiction. That fear has wrapped you in darkness. You need to know that the light of God the creator has found you and he's ready to shine his light into your life today. Overcome the darkness by the power of his name. You see, because God knows you better than you know yourself, he knows what it will take for you to find him. So you might be asking today, how does God know all of this? Well, the answer lies in uh, these final six verses we're going to read today. Psalm 139, 13 through 18 says this. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I wake, I'm still with you. You see, friends, God knows you better than you know yourself because God knew you before you were born. reason God can do all this stuff we're talking about, penetrate the darkness, find us, know right where we are. The reason he can create a perfect plan for every single one of us is because he knows just how we were put together. 
This particular section of Psalms is really meaningful to our church and to believers. Of course, to Chandra and I right now. Because it lets us know that before a baby ever takes a breath, it's loved and known by God. Full stop. We're not here this morning to talk about a political stance. We don't really do that from the platform here. But because of what Psalm 139 says, we believe in the sanctity of life. We stand on this fact, right, that all life is precious to God. All life is precious to God. Every age, every nationality, every social status, every unborn kid, every foster kid. All life is precious to God. And I know there's a bigger discussion to be had, and, and, but this should be the basis of it for us as believers. All life is precious to God because he created us in inmost being. I love how David describes how God created us in the womb. So poetic. I love how he, he describes how he is, and God has created the recently born little ones in our midst. He's created them all. And he's creating the little ones that will soon be in our midst. In our case, my wife and I's case, I hope he's creating one that sleeps like a little bit better when it's born than the last couple. <laughs> that would be amazing. Listen to how the NLT translates uh, verses 13 through 15. If you've read the scripture in the NIV before, it's awesome, but I love the NLT version. Verses 13 through 15 says this. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Verse 14, thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. We talked last week, I think, I think I mentioned it about how the human body has, we think about 30 trillion cells. David says of God here that he made all the parts of our body, all 30 trillion cells. What I love is that he knitted us together just right when we're first conceived for a purpose that's decades away. The life you're living right now, the purpose you're living right now, God knitted you together for it in your mother's womb. That's what Psalms is saying here. We are wonderfully complex, NLT so beautifully says. What that tells me is that something that would overwhelm everyone else that's complex, God sees as wonderful. Even if we somehow had all the information in front of us, it would be nothing to us, but God sees it as wonderful. For all of you, God has created you in a way that helps you identify with him a little, actually. Because of the gifts God has given you, uh, there are things that to others seem like a foreign language. But to you, they might be complex, but they're also wonderful because you understand them and God has given you the ability to understand them. All of you have things like this in your life God has made you to be good at. An example for me, if you didn't know this, uh, you know, when I led worship full-time, I also did pro audio on the side, and I got to where I only did shows at, like, big arenas. You ever go to a big arena, uh, and you see, like, the stage and the PA and the lights and all that stuff? It might look all beautiful and nice and put together, and we do try really hard to make it look nice, but I assure you, somewhere in that arena, there is a spot that is what you would call a rat's nest. It all home runs to somewhere. And we do a good job of hiding it, but it all home runs to somewhere. And I would go into these big arena shows, and sometimes, a lot of times, it would get set up. Like if I had church in the morning and I went to a show on Sunday afternoon, they would set it up and I would get there. And I would walk in and I would see what you would call a rat's nest. And most people would see that 
and they would say, like, oh, my goodness, my, like, OCD is kicking in. I can't even look at those cables. They would say, how do you possibly make sense of that? That looks scary. I see that, and for some reason, I just get excited. I'm like, I know what all this stuff does. Like, if that speaker goes out, I know how to find the wire. This is where all the solutions lie. Most people don't think of it that way, but for some reason, in my twisted brain, that's the way I think of it. I see the rat's nest, and I think, here's where the solution is. <laughs> I can't explain it. Makes me excited, and that's just the way that God made me. All of you have things like that in your life. You're going to see them, and you're going to think they're amazing. I'm going to be like, keep that far away from me. Thank you very much. You need to know, friends, that that is how God feels about you. To others, uh, you might seem like a mess. You might even feel like you're a mess, but you know what God says about you? God walks in, he says, oh, man. Man, I made that one. I know where all that stuff goes. I created that one. I know just how that one goes together. And you know what else God says is, yes, I actually know how to fix this. If you feel broken, God says to you today, you're wonderfully complex because I created you and I know how to make it right. So everything that makes you, you, God made it, he knows it, he loves it. Man, being a pastor of a church with a bunch of young kids uh, has its advantages. One of those is getting to see all of them as they're born and grow. Of course, that includes my own kids, and I'll mention them here. I'm just mentioning the, the youngest of our little ones here. Uh, the ones that stand out to me recently, the littlest ones, are things that God lovingly created on purpose. I just want to point them out to you. Little Hazel, I've mentioned a couple times. Man, Hazel's eyes are the thing that capture me every time I walk into a room. Something about those eyes. Next time you see her, if you see her today, look at them. God made those. Let's kind of sprinkle my kids in here. A lot of you know Christina, our daughter. Uh, you might notice her red hair first. But the thing she has, um, God gave her the hair, obviously, but the thing she has is this determination and this strong will, strong will for what she wants and believes is right. Uh, and it's pretty unusual, the strength of her will. It's what helped her survive her childhood before she came to live with us. You know what? God made that. I get, to, I get the pleasure, uh, uh, one of the things my, my pastor and Cuner did is he allowed me to bring my sons to, to work with me when they were tiny, and Pastor Chase brings little Samuel, uh, I don't know, a couple, three days a week. He's here a bunch. So I get to see him a lot more than most of you. Somehow, Samuel, as a baby, he has a great, like, faux hawk. I don't know if Hannah makes that every day. He just has it. I don't know. But also, baby Samuel, man, he smiles more than just about any baby I've ever been around. Man, you lock eyes with him, and he, I think it's the blue and orange shirts I wear all the time. I don't really know, but he's always smiling, man, always bringing joy. He's got a smile, and God gave him that. Our son, uh, John, man, uh, he, uh, <laughs> uh, Pastor Alex, who's here, our network youth director, was talking to him this morning. John, this actually works really well. John, uh, Alex sent us a, a Christmas card. I've known him and Ivy for a long time. Alex sent us a Christmas card, and John, my son, found out Alex is going to be running kids camp. And my son, John, wrote him a letter saying, can we please have more sports at kids camp? <laughs> please write back, right, Alex, is what he said. <laughs> you see, the thing about John is he has this unique ability for throwing a ball. 
He's been throwing a ball literally before he could walk. Like other people would bring their one-year-olds, and they're like, hey, let's have him play catch. And he just bounce it right off their face. He can throw hard, and he can throw accurately more than like a little tiny body should be able to. And I would love to take credit for it, but I can't really because it's God that made it. It's God that designed him to like love what he loves and be able to do what he does. Our son Luke, man, <laughs> he brings so much joy to every situation uh, because of the happiness that's in him. Um, there's no one that enjoys life quite like Luke does at eight years old. Uh, he's goofy. He has all kinds of crazy ideas that he is not afraid to share with you. He'll give you an opinion on anything, even if he knows nothing about it. He'll get up in front of a crowd and he will perform happily. He will tell you his latest story about animals or dinos. For some reason, his favorite animal is snakes. I don't understand this. He's the life of the party. Luke is the life of the party. I don't know where he got it because it's not from me and it's not from Chandra. We think maybe my granddad, who none of you met, passed away a while ago. But here's the thing. God made it, so he does. All those people I mentioned, all your kids, the people in your life, God made them wonderfully complex. And he made them. Hopefully you're thinking about the things you love and, and notice about the kids in your life. Hopefully you're thinking about the things that you were made to do, the things you're starting to see, the kids in your life. Just know, they aren't just fun things to notice. They're gifts that God has given us for a purpose that he's created us for. Gifts that he's given you for a purpose he's created you for. And I believe, friends, that we find that purpose the best when we serve God. Verse 16, it tells us about that purpose, right? Your eyes saw my own unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed, the NLT says. I don't believe that it's predecided for us by God what we will do in our lives. That's another discussion for another time. But I believe that God knows the results of a given decision. God knows what's going to happen when you go out. If you turn right or you turn left, God knows what will happen. And for that reason, we can know something important. That is that nothing we do will ever surprise God. Nothing you do, friends, good or bad, everything in between, nothing we do will ever surprise God. He might not be pleased with the choice we make. Might not be the one he'd hoped we would make, but he's not taken by surprise. Last two verses this morning, verses 17 and 18, they say this. These are the ones that just pertain so much uh, to God, uh, what he believes about us today. 17 says this, how precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I'm still with you. These verses, man, they tell us something we need to remember as we walk each day through this world. Here's what you need to know today, friends, and that is what God thinks about you is good. No matter what everyone else has told you, what the world has told you, or people who don't believe in you tell you what God thinks about us is good. Yes, it's good when he's forming us and we're innocent babies, and that's actually pretty easy to believe. It's pretty easy to believe that God loves babies. He doesn't love babies, right? It's easy to believe. What's more difficult to believe is that God's thoughts are precious towards us when we are busy messing up. 
It's easy to believe that God loves you when you're a little tiny innocent baby. It's harder to believe that God loves you when you're busy messing it all up every day. But I believe God would have us see today that there's no qualification in this. It doesn't say that God's thoughts are precious and vast about us as long as we are being good. It doesn't come to me and say, John, my thoughts are precious towards you. Love you very much, but only if you're being good. If you're not being good, no more good thoughts. It just simply says right here that they're good. That's all there is to it. God has always been thinking them. He's thinking them now. He won't ever stop thinking them. The thing is that God knows us better than we know ourselves. God knows, friends, if you're here, if you're listening to this, God knows what we need to find him. He knew us before we were born. But most importantly today in this room, in this place, he knows us right now. He knows you if spiritually, metaphorically, you're on the highest mountain or you're in the deepest trench. Even if you have gotten up on the wings of the dawn and you have sailed to the far side of the sea. Those thoughts from God about us, they do not cease. You can bow your heads and close your eyes. We're going to pray here in a moment. And God proved all of that to us by sending his son Jesus for us. God proved all of that to us by giving us life in Jesus. That's what we're going to celebrate with Izzy here in a few minutes when we baptize her in water. You need to understand today, friends, if you're hearing this, you need to know all of us are sinners. We're far from God when we have sin in our hearts. All of us are sinners, but uh, the scripture that came to my, my heart and mind, John 3.16, we always read, but we don't often keep going. John 3.16 through 21. Last little bit of scripture today says this, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. But here it keeps going. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world. The people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. Whoever lives by the truth comes into the light. He did not come to the world to condemn you, friends, but to save you. The light has come to burn through the darkness. It's here with us this morning. Those who call upon the name of the Lord Jesus will be saved, Romans 10, 13 tells us. So the reason our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed, is I'm just giving you a moment with the Lord today. If you're here today, and uh, just one way or the other, you would say, man, uh, if I'm being honest, I'm far from God today. Everything you're speaking is, is finding a truth in my heart. Everything we were singing this morning meant a lot to me because God was moving. I didn't know what it was, but now I know God was moving. But if you're here today, and you're far from the Lord, you've known him before and you've walked away, or you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus, you've never confessed him as Savior, and you'd like to today, would you just raise your hand across this place so I can know to pray with you, know to agree with you this morning? 
Thank you. God sees all of your hearts. God sees where all of you are. We're going to do this this morning. Every one of us is going to say a prayer. And if you uh, repeat this prayer after me and you mean it with all your heart, you mean it uh, from the inside of you, then God is redeeming you. Jesus is sanctifying you today. So all of you, would you just repeat this prayer after me? We're agreeing with those that need to be need to accept Christ today. Would you say, dear Jesus, thank you for this day. I believe you created this day. You created it for me to know you. Today I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I confess you as Savior. I commit to live for you all my days. Amen. You can look up, friends, if you prayed that prayer for the first time or the millionth time, but this time it took. Jesus is making you new in this moment. Here's what we're going to do. Uh, and if, if that is you, uh, we have a book for you. I'd love to pray with you afterwards. Uh, here's what we're going to do right now. I'm going to ask you to stand. I'm going to go change my clothes. Uh, Pastor Joey and uh, Simone are going to lead you in a song. Would you stand? Would you stand? And you're going to worship just for a moment while we change, and we're going to baptize Izzy in water. We're going to sing about the goodness of God. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to learn more, you can visit us at engageboise.com. Have an amazing day.